hi, uh, welcome to the first episode of Smithy Talk Sport. This will hopefully be a podcast running every other week, discussing various sports with different guests on each podcast, ranging from football to cycling to Formula One. Uh, so a bit about me, I'm a second year history student at Exeter University with an interest in a lot of sports and I'm hoping to go into sports journalism following university. So this podcast is me exploring that a little bit more. Uh, for the first episode I'm joined by Sean uh, and we're going to be discussing the sort of broad topic of football. Uh, we'll invariably go off on a tangent from any plan that I might write so we'll see where the discussion takes us. Welcome Sean. Good to be here. Right. Let's get started. Yes. <laughs> Uh, right, we will start with Liverpool. Sean is a Liverpool fan. Um, first of all, unbeaten season, can they do it? Absolutely, I don't see a reason why we can't. Um, we have a tough game away at City. That will be a big game, I think, in the context of the season. One thing I will say is that we haven't lost to any team outside the top six all year. That's if you counted Man United as a top six team. Maybe not so much. Anymore, <laughs> um, I think City away definitely. That is a tough one. We have played, we've played Man United twice, Tottenham twice. Um, we played tough teams like Sheffield United twice, home and away. So a lot of the hard games right the way. We have Chelsea. We play at home, and City away. Then two fixtures that I'd say are very tough left to to go unbeaten if we if we win them. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I, I can't see anything but an unbeaten season for Liverpool. Um, but so I'd like to think it would come to the end, come to an end on the 21st of March. Uh, don't, I can't see that happening, to be honest. Um, Not at Anfield. No, no, no. Gave us, a run for your, gave us a run for our money at home earlier in the season. Yeah, bit of context. I'm a Palace fan, so... Liverpool. Um, Liverpool, exactly. <laughs> Just doing bits for you, VAR this season. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they've just been in the class they're around this season. Liverpool, they they managed to pick up points when, pick up wins when maybe they haven't played so well. Um, There's that we have been very good, but also you can't hide from the fact that Man City have been very underwhelming. They've been very ordinary. Yeah, yeah. They, they haven't been helped with injuries, but. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's it's been it's Laporte been, it's been Liverpool's one. Liverpool season. Yeah, 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 definitely. Laporte. Liverpool have been yeah, uh, Laporte. Sorry, um, for City's a big loss. Um, Without him, their defence just can't hack it. No, they, they need a left back. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, I know uh, Mendy's just come back from injury. Like their their injuries just their injury crisis. A bit but bad. even when Mendy's fit now. Pop Pep Guardiola doesn't seem to trust him. No, he started on Saturday against Palace. Looked okay going forward, I thought. Um, yeah, he struggles a bit of injuries. Yeah, he's a bit injury prone. Um, I think I think that's been City's problem. Definitely has been the injuries and not quite having. I mean, they've got decent. They've got good depth, but not in. Their defensive injury crisis has been so bad that they just sort of haven't had haven't had the players to come come in and replace them and I mean for centre back yeah that that's idea, that's not going to work and for them for them to mount a title challenge I don't think um, well people the thing is I know City have had key injuries Liverpool have also had injuries yeah but I think 
Though Allison was out for eleven games at the start of the season. Yeah, that's true. Adrian came in, free transfer in the summer, did a hell of a job. Yeah. In fact, I think he had ten. No, no maybe did he? No, he won every game, didn't he? Every game. Yeah, game I think so. Yeah. Um, we've had Fabino out now for two months. Yeah. He was a big player for us. Hendo slotted in defensive midfield, and he's getting loads of praise for his performances. Um, but one thing I would say is if Virgil Van Dijk got injured. That would be an issue. That could be a Laporte type situation yeah. there. Still at the back, yeah. Yeah, he holds everything together. Even when Allison's not playing, he's controlling the back four, even the midfield. Yeah. He, actually, he bosses the whole team around, and that's what you want. Yeah, definitely. I mean, speaking of free transfers, Palace's free transfers this season have been pretty good. <laughs> Gary Cahill, what a revelation at centre back. He's been he's been so good, so good for Palace. So good, like genuinely, I think one of the signings of the season because we got him for a free. He's come in, just got the club straight away, and now like if you watch all these clips, he, he seems like the most passionate bloke, one of the most passionate blokes at the club, and just he's a born leader. He is, he is, and sort of when we went through these the, this massive injury crisis that we've had, and we're still sort of in the midst of it, but it's getting a bit better. Um, he's he's definitely. He was out for a bit as well, um, but he stood up and really filled in and marshaled the defence with when 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 we've been having to play for. I mean, we had James MacArthur at left back for one game because we literally had no left backs. Um, that's one thing about Palace; they won't spend money. They need, well, yeah, that's they but, need a few signings, even if they not even loads of money, but a, few, a couple of ten, fifteen, twenty million signings yeah. in key positions, a bit of squad depth. Yeah, improve a few positions. I mean, I mean, we looking at this transfer window. We wanted to get a striker, which we got now with Chank Tosin. Um, so we'll see how he gets on, but looks promising from his first from his first start at the weekend. Um, I, I saw something then, he said about Everton after his first game. Uh, you played against City. So yeah. For Everton, he was told never to press City because. We're not going to win. Just yeah, I saw that as well. <laughs> and he said it was such a nice thing to be at Palace and actually get be told to work hard. Yeah. He said yeah, it was yeah, a massive yeah. difference. He loved it. Yeah, I think I think he I think he was he was settling quite nicely. Um, but I I do think we need we need a left back and a right back. We've needed that for ages. We were lucky discovering Wambasaka because before before he came into the side. Joel Ward was our only senior right back, and obviously we were lucky that he was as good as he was, and he was able to slot in and do so well. Um, One thing I would say, I think Aaron Wan, you didn't replace Aaron Wambasaka, and it depends as a club where you want to go. Do you want to be just fighting relegation, or do you want to stay a mid-table team? Yeah. Do you want to try and improve? Because if you're selling Wambasaka, Joel Ward, okay, you'll do a job. But he's not going to improve your team. No, he Joe Ward has been brilliant this season. To be fair to him, he's 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 really stepped up. Um, when a lot of people sort of were like, "Well, we need to get rid of him because he's too he's past it," but he has really really shown that he's still still a very decent Premier League right back. But I do think I agree. We if we want to push on, we need to sign. I think a young right back sort of. 22, 23, because I think apart from anything else, our squad is the oldest squad in the league. Yes, it is um, very old. A few seasons, if you don't start bringing yeah, in young players. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Um, but I, I did see an interesting stat today that, uh, interestingly, uh, we are on the same number of points after 23 games as uh, Roy Hodgson's Fulham were when they got the <laughs> Europa League. Um, when they when they finished seventh, so you know. There's always next season. And and I saw a tweet today where someone was like, "Any Fulham fans? Anyone know who you signed? Any big signings in January?" And they're like, "No, we got two players in on loan who didn't really do much." So you know, it's yeah, all yeah. part of the master plan. Here we go. I hear Chris Beard still playing. Right, right back. <laughs> <Bringing> Chris Beard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, get 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 just just get all of that Roy Hodgson Fulham side in the side in the team. Damien Duff, Damien Duff, Brad Hangland come back to Palace. <laughs> um, Danny Davis. Murphy, so Bobby Zamora, Zoltan Guerra, <laughs> Kelvin a two win. Uh, oh, quality! That was Zamora was the one that scored against the South Let's go, wasn't he? Uh, no, I think it was Zoltan Guerra that scored. Was it Guerra? Yeah. I'll always remember that Gera goal against Man United. When Liverpool went away to Man United, beat them 4-1 on their own path. <laughs> back under Benitez in the 2007-2008 season. Then the week after, we were back in the in the title hunt with a glimpse of a chance. Then the week after, United went to Fulham and lost 2-0. Zoltan Gera scored two. <laughs> <laughs> what a hero. And then we went and drew to Middlesbrough bottom of the league the week after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, yeah... That's what's great about the Premier League. Anyone can beat anyone, and then just like, just these awful sides can get a result at, at just anywhere. Like well, I blame Benitez. He played. He went to Middlesbrough and played a second team for no oh. reason. He played Nabil Elzar <laughs> on the wing. Yeah, I, I think I think it might have been Voren in up front. Oh, it was it was an awful team. <laughs> Rested Gerard, oh. and it just messed it all Lucky up. error. Yeah. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sort of that that moves on quite nicely onto sort of the next thing. I was going to ask you about sort of your personal memories of football. Was was the earliest earliest memory you have of following football? Definitely the Champions League final back in two thousand and five. Oh yeah. Although I didn't know much about about football at the time, I remember I was with my granddad watching it in front of the telly. Because my all my my mum and my dad went away t- on holiday. Yeah. During the finals, so I was at my granddad staying, and I remember the first half of the game, he was shouting at the telly, <laughs> just shouting loads of abuse at the players, <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then that got me kind of interested. I, I was I like knew what was going on. Yeah. I, I kind of supported Liverpool. That got me more into it. And then I saw all this happening in the second half, especially the first three goals. Yeah. And he went from calling players like. Jimmy Traore just shouted loads of abuse at them to go and, you, you beauty I love you <laughs> in the space of 10 minutes yeah. it all changed yeah, yeah. football can do that to people can yeah. It? Yeah. yeah I mean for, for myself it was sort of <coughs> I always remember being just a Palace fan the entire time and then I remember going to I think Palace versus Stoke in the championship in uh, probably must have been 2007 and uh, I think we got a, I think we got a point, but it was like a typical championship game. With I think we had players like I think Andy Johnson had just left because I think it was the season two seasons after we got relegated, and obviously Andy Johnson was went to Everton, was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, he went to Everton and then Fulham from Everton. Um, 
and he, yeah, we we sort of lost him, lost our main strike force. Doogie Freeman, I think, was playing. Uh, Clinton Morrison was in there as well. Julian Speroni in goal, probably. Or Gabor Kirai, actually. One, one of the two. Kirai. Gabor Kirai, what a man. <laughs> In his, his, his tracksuit track bottoms, <laughs> grey tracksuit bottoms, playing in goal. Just, I remember remember him, he, uh, he, we signed him at the beginning of the Premier League season in 04-05. And he, he was one of those keepers who was really good, but just prone to the odd mistake. And like, absolute howlers. Um, but I remember that season... He, he got the Man of the Match award at Old Trafford. I think we lost like 2-3-1 or something like that, or maybe even worse. But he he stopped it from being 7 or 8 because he just was he just pulled out some absolute worldy saves. And just it's just a funny sight seeing this middle-aged Hungarian in grey tracksuit bottoms just just absolutely flying to Palmer Cristiano Ronaldo shot past the post. Well, that's, that's what strikes me about him. Is Hungary isn't even a cold place. No. It's a warm place and he's up there on a sunny afternoon playing in his joggers. I think I think there was there was an interview with him where he was like, Oh yeah, they they asked him how it came about and he was like, Yeah basically it was we he wore them for one game where it was particularly cold or something and played an absolute blinder. And then from that moment on, he was never not wearing these trackies because when he wore these trackies, it just went well. And I, I think, I think that oh four oh five season, he there are a couple of games where he wore his shorts and it just didn't go well and he played awfully, and just that's that's, that's very funny. Just as soon as <laughs> as soon as he wore shorts, he just turned into. Turned into like the 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 worst keeper in the league. Became professional because of his because of his travels. He's like he's like Samson's hair. Just like he loses his all his, all his strength on his tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, a what a hero! Yeah, I mean, we we've had some re- real cult legends at Palace over the years. Um, I'm trying to just think to back some names from my Championship 2007 career. Oh. Well, did you do that on Palace? I, I did do one at Palace, yeah. Oh. Or, or no, I did one of West Brom and I signed a few players from Palace. We had we had players like Tom Sawes and... Uh, Is that Von Hines? No. Uh, oh, Tom Sawes, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, Tom Sawes. I, yeah. I, I signed him. Tom yeah, Sawles, yeah, he, he was a decent player, centre mid, I think. Um, there was another player I signed. I we had Mark, uh, Mark Hudson. He was, he was a good he was, player. He played for Cardiff. Um... Leon Court, James Scowcroft. Oh, I think I might have signed Neil Dans, to be fair. Uh, Neil Dans was a decent player. Um, musician as well. Um, musician? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you Danny mean. Butterfield, he was a hero. Oh, Scott Sinclair I definitely signed. Oh, we had we had Jose I, Font. You had Moses. Victor, Victor Moses, Moses, yeah. You had a good youth system. He came through our youth 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 system. Back in the day, he used to be there rapid is, on the FM. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. Uh, players like Sean Scannell, who were breaking through then. Um, who else? Uh, Chef Geek Gookie. Chef Geek. Oh my god, he played for Swansea as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finnish God. Yeah. <laughs> Chef Geek. I haven't heard that name in ages. Yeah. Sean Derry. <laughs> Sean Derry was a good player. Just no nonsense. He was. He was made for. He was made for the championship. You love Ambrose. <laughs> Dar- oh, Darren Ambrose. He played for Charlton in the Premier League as well. Yeah, Darren Ambrose is. 
Well, one of my favourites from. Uh, That's one thing I'll never get palace. over is how Ian Dowie was a manager in the Premier League. Oh, he was class for us. He was really good. He. Um, well, you hear him speak on Sky Sports, and he comes out with some rubbish. Yeah, he does. He does. He's I a, mean, and Paul Mason, he's not. He's not <laughs> the best either. Is he? I mean, with with uh, with Ian Dowie, the o three o four season, we we appointed him around Christmas. We were we were nineteenth in the league. Not looking good at all. Just awful. Um, he came in. I don't think he had the new manager bounce. So so like he came in, lost the first couple of games, things like that. And apparently, looking at interviews from some of the players in, that were in that squad, apparently, literally, he came in and it was just fitness, fitness, fitness for like the first three, four weeks. And by the end of that, like they were saying, oh, we are the fittest we've been ever after this period. <laughs> And you can imagine they just he just he just tore up the second half of the season. We finished, I think, sixth, got into the playoffs, won the playoff semi finals, I think, as Sunderland with uh, a late goal. I can't remember who scored the late goal, but um, uh, got got through, got got to West Ham, West Ham in the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium in Wales while the new Wembley was being built. We won one nil with a Neil Shipperly goal. Who <laughs> just it was it was it was a it was a typical championship, just so cagey I think. And uh, Andy Johnson shoot shot from sort of just the edge of the area. It was saved onto the post. And then Neil Shipperly gets the rebound and sticks it into the open net. And Neil like, do you remember Neil Shipperly? No. Oh, no, he was. Him. He was a big bloke. Like he, he was. He was decent in like the early part of his career. I, but I, 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 was, I wouldn't remember. He was a huge. He was a big guy. He played the championship two thousand and four season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't remember from back there. He's a quite a large bloke. Um, recently, recently been sentenced for public indecency, but we, we'll gloss over that. Um, <laughs> uh, um, One thing I would say, I did not know that Ian Dowie managed Crystal Palace. Do you not? I no, I didn't know that. But what I could imagine is him being all about the fitness, as you said. Yeah. And all about the discipline. Yeah. And he didn't really care about the skills. No, no. <laughs> Neglect all the skills. I mean, I think I think we were we were unlucky to go down the following season because we'd we did a we we did we we had a we had an all right season. Just I think we we lost points when we should have really picked picked them up. And when it came to the final day, I think we were just outside the relegation zone, and that was sort of the survival Sunday. I don't know if you remember four or five. Uh, I think there were three teams, three or four teams for two relegation spots. And it was us, Norwich, West Brom. That might be, it might be three for two slots. And West Brom earlier in the season had looked down and out. They were awful. And then they had this big like push towards the end of the season. That's all I remember West Brom and Birmingham. Back when I was younger, every year they'd keep swapping places in the Championship yeah, League. Yeah, we had that in the 90s, I think. Um, but yeah, this, this we, we had Charlton away on the final day. We took the lead, I think, through Andy Johnson, through a penalty. 
then it was equal that Charlton equalised and then we retook the league. Uh, uh to retook the league. Yeah, Charlton had some players. Yeah, Charlton were decent. Darren unfortunately. Bent. <laughs> yeah. Darren Bent. Darren Bent. <laughs> <Ryderson>. <laughs> oh <laughs> Yeah, no, they were a decent side to be fair. Um Unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say it as a Palace fan. Um but like we we, we ended up drawing two all and West Brom had won, which meant that West Brom stayed up. And because we hadn't won, we went down either on goal difference or by like one point. I think it was one point actually to West Brom. And it was. Oh, it was gutting. Like. Uh, West Brom weren't that great a side. No, they, they weren't. They really weren't. Um, but we. I mean, the astounding thing of that season is we had. The highest scoring English player in the Premier League that season was Andy Johnson for Palace. How many pens though? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he scored 21 goals. Of those 21 goals, 11 were penalties. Oh. But to be fair to the bloke, he did win most of those penalties. He was a good finisher. Like, even still, even if take away that 10 goals for in a season for a relegation side, normally if a striker scores... 10 to 12 goals then that'll be enough to 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 turn their team a decent number of points but injuries definitely got the better of him towards the end of his career Randy Johnson yeah yeah he went to Everton he had he had a good one good season there actually yeah Everton Everton and Fulham he was he played I think he got signed for that season where he went to QPR in the end as well yeah he did um that was a weird that was a weird season Fulham. for QPR they spent loads of money brought in a few like Good players. I yeah. Think, was it Granero? They brought in Granero. Yeah. They brought in that youngster from Arsenal, the left back, who was quite promising at the time. Troy Ore, Armand Troy Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Terrapt. <laughs> Adam Terrapt, yeah. yeah. Oh, they so spent so much money, yeah. QPR, like, when they're in the Premier League, they just splurged. They bought, like, didn't they? They bought Leroy Fur. Yeah. At one point. He was a good player. Um, yeah, he was. He still is, he still is decent. He still is decent, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Johnson was... I remember when we signed him, it was sort of a... Uh, uh, we signed him from Birmingham, and it was sort of almost a swap deal. So, I think Clinton Morrison went the other way, and he was... Uh, and it was uh, Andy Johnson plus cash for Clinton Morrison. And sort of, it was a bit of a, went under the radar, the signing a bit. And then early, early in his Palace career, he banged in a hat-trick against Brighton. And then from that moment on, he was a Palace hero. <laughs> Everyone loved him. Oh, yeah, Brighton local derby. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, if anyone scores against Brighton, they immediately go into the history books for Palace. Um, That's just scoring, let alone a hat-trick. Yeah, I know. It's just it was he he, he was he was brilliant. Uh, such a good player. Scored a bucket load of goals for us. I think he's now like a. He works at the club in some way. He does various things for the club. Um, but he came he came back in the twenty fifteen sixteen season and made one appearance off the bench and then retired after that season. I think. Oh, I, I <laughs> um, remember him going back. He did go back. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. I thought he did. I was, was going to say that. Under uh, after after QPR, it was. Yeah, I think under Neil Warnock. <laughs> um, 
That would have been just before Pulis came in and saved you. No, no, it was season after that. Season after, yeah. So we had we had Ian Holloway and Keith Millen for a bit as a caretaker. Then Pulis for that half of the season kept us up, did amazing. I don't know why Palace don't like Pulis. Oh, because he did a good job. No, no, I know he did, but then but then he ditched us forty eight hours before the season started. It wasn't that due to reasons with no. the owners. He, he he took his he took his bonus. He asked for his bonus for keeping us up two days before it was due. Or like four days before it was due. They were like, oh, yeah, okay, here you go. And then he just jumped ship two days before <laughs> the season started. And like we'd signed Martin Kelly on that day when he quit. And there there were like a load of memes that were produced of Martin Kelly doing his welcome interview. And there's one bit where he's 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 on, he's on like a terrace in our training ground, like on the first floor, looking over the training ground, being interviewed. And there's there like there's one bit where he's just looking over the training ground and looks a bit confused. And like people are just like that. That's when he sees Tony Pulis with the box with all his stuff in it from his desk as he's leaving the club. <laughs> sort of he was doing all that, saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to working with Tony Pulis. He's really organised." And then it was like Tony Pulis has left Palace with 48 hours before the season starts, and it's just like that's, that's one thing I can. Like Martin Kelly, yeah, he's good. He's a good oh, mid-team player. But there was a point at Liverpool, we were that desperate. We had Martin Kelly at right back. He's not even a right back. <laughs> no. He was playing right back. He's been playing right back recently for us, but that's because purely out of necessity. <laughs> and we were playing either him or Flanagan. Oh, I'd Flan- Flanagan. This is the days when Flanagan was 18-19. This yeah. wasn't the Rogers season Flanagan. This yeah, is yeah, three yeah. seasons before that. We had Jack Robinson. <laughs> I don't know where he's at. He went to Blackpool and then he <laughs> from there. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, he went to Blackpool as part of the Charlie Adam deal. Oh yeah, he, that's me. Oh, <laughs> see, I forget that Charlie Adam played for Liverpool. He was a good player, Charlie Adam. He was until like, he came to Liverpool. Yeah, he was decent at Stoke then. To be fair, didn't I feel like Sir Alex Ferguson said he paid fifteen million for his free kicks? Yeah, <laughs> in corners. I think he came to just Liverpool. I don't think he scored one. A set piece wizard, and then just <laughs> just didn't do anything at Liverpool. No. Oh, that, that. that season we had Spearin, Jay Spearin, <laughs> who went to Bolton and now he's playing in League One. Yeah. We had John Joe Shelby. Yeah. Who is now playing for Newcastle. Yeah. He's, he's actually a good player, to be fair. Yeah. But nowhere near Liverpool level. No, 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 not the time. Ability wise, maybe. But he isn't right in the head. No. Uh, he'd get sent <laughs> off putting a huge hit just out of nowhere. I remember we played United and the Rodgers. Second game, United at home. We lost 2-1. Yeah. We were the better side. John Joe Shelby, we were on top in the first half. John Joe Shelby in the 44th minute. Goes straight through the back of someone, gets sent off. Yeah. Then... Martin Skirtle. Martin Skirtle. He was, he was a dodgy player as well. <laughs> oh, he was, he was just the most scary bloke I've ever seen on a football pitch. You can imagine like... him having really bad breath. <laughs> all he'd have to do is breathe into the defender's mouths. Oh, just, he's scary. Just an intimidating looking bloke, Martin Skirtle. <laughs> you, were, you wouldn't want to be a centre forward coming up. Well, unless you were one of those like... Like a like a, a no nonsense centre forward who would love playing against Martin Skirtle, but if you were like a a small like Sergio Aguero type striker, just you, you, Martin Skirtle would just like bully you. 
Just, you'd just try work. and bully them, but you'd also do some stupid things. I'd get sent off quite a bit, wouldn't I? Yeah, he used to dive into challenges, even though he could have no chance of winning them. He, then was, he, he was alongside Daniel Agger, who was completely the opposite. Oh, yeah, Daniel Agger. He was a quality player. He was a good player. That was towards the end of his career, wasn't it? Yeah. Because like, he, was, he was with you like in his prime, and that was the Champions League. In his prime, yeah, he used to score like that. Yeah. I remember against Blackburn, he took it out from the halfway to... Quite, quite a bit off the edge of the box, actually, and fired it top left. Yeah. He was a hell of a player. Yeah, he was. I, I, I think... Oh, there, was, there were some absolute gems around, sort of, late 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 2010s. Just so, some of the players playing in the Premier League. Just, just absolute quality. Um, Ronaldo? Ren- well, yeah, young Ronaldo. Tevez was just coming in to play with Mascherano at West Ham. With a West Ham Pardew pulling off the deal of the century and getting them both on deadline day. It's <laughs> like, how on earth have you managed that? Um, oh, the, the sort of... The, the Tottenham strike force of Gareth Bale, Peter Crouch and Jermaine Defoe with Robbie Keane there as well. That was a that oh. yeah, that They were a proper quality team, that. Um, yeah, that was, I think, one of the one of the seasons Mark Peter Crouch got was top scorer of the Champions League for Tottenham. And, like, he top scored in the Champions League with, like, six goals in the season and, like, outscored all of these massive European teams and Peter Crouch getting... He was a good player. He was, <laughs> he was properly glossed. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. He scored a bicey in the Champions League, actually. Yeah. Against Galatasaray, I remember Yes, that. yeah. Quality. Oh, he was a really good player. He was. Um... Yeah, oh, Ledley King. Ledley King, yeah. I, 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 speaking of Ledley King, sort of, I read uh, I read Peter Crouch's autobiography over the summer, and he was saying that Ledley King had like chronic knee problems. Like his knees were so bad, so he'd he'd play a game at the weekend, spend the next week in rehab with ice packs just constantly around his knees, and then play the next game next Saturday, and he would not train at all. That's oh, such a shame. Cause um, he had such ability. Yeah, yeah, and he was and natural leader as well. Crouch was like literally like he was such a gifted player that he would just slot in and just play the game despite not training for the entire week, and um, would would look like he's top of his game. But just I think I think Crouch he said said that uh, said that without like, that knee problem. He would have been one of. He reckons he would have been England captain at some point because he had such ability and was such a good player. He says that, but the the competition at England at that. Oh point, yeah, sort of golden generation. Whoa. Just golden. How they didn't win anything, I don't know. I I think they were. Got to the quarterfinals of Euro two thousand and four. They they struggled a bit with goalkeepers. Yeah, Paul Robinson, David James, both. No world class keepers though. Both decent. Both did a job, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they had Neville, Ashley Cole, yeah, Carragher didn't get luck in there. Ferdinand, Ferdinand. yeah, um, King would have been there as well. Lampard and Gerrard, Skulls, Beckham, yeah, um, Wayne Rooney, Michael Owen on top of him. Yeah, Owen, yeah. I mean, Owen sort of after his injury, he went to Real and he was never the same player. Yeah, he won the Ballon d'Or at Liverpool. When he was like nineteen, wasn't he? Yeah, nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah, in like two thousand one, and he was a proper, properly good player. Um, yeah, I mean, he uh, 
Owen was class, and then I think it was didn't he do his ankle or something like that? Or his, his knee. knee. His yeah. knee it was. He had big problems with his knee. I think it snapped his cruciate ligament. Yeah. Then he which, came which to just, Newcastle just to try and get back. Yeah. Get a bit a bit form back together. It didn't. He still quite he still out. scored goals though. He was injured too much though. Like he was injured, but he still scored goals and sort of for that was when Newcastle was good. Were good, wasn't it? They had him um, and oh, they showed Rami Obi, but they also had Obafemi Martins. Oh yeah, Obafemi Martins, <laughs> really, oh, really yeah. good player. Him and he was good. He was good. Yeah, yeah Obafemi Martins. Who else did they have in that team? Like that was. That was, was after that with Kabai? No, that was that, that was, was a bit earlier. Kibai, wasn't it? That was. Yeah. They, they had a good people? side. They had James Milner at that point. Jermaine Genus. Yeah. I think he'd come from Tottenham by then. Viduka. Um, Mark Viduka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark Viduka, he's a good player, wasn't he? Was he? He was. Yeah. They had some quality strikers. Oh, do you remember Yakubu at Everton? Yes. The big, sort of predecessor to Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> oh, just, he, was, he was a good player. He went, I think he joined in like 2002, Who did he go to? 2003. Wait a minute, I'll just look him up. They had Joe as well. Do you remember Joe, the striker, the Brazilian striker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there he is. Yakubo. Um, played at Portsmouth, Middlesbrough, Everton. Uh, played at Leicester briefly. I mean, at Everton he was getting... Middlesbrough he had a goal every three games or so. Portsmouth was nearly a goal every other game. Um, a good strong goal scoring record. Then went to China after Blackburn. Of course, good he did. record in China, but that's not a very hard league no. to get out, is it? Um, and then that looks Saudi Arabia, Al Al Rayyan, Qatar. There. Qatar. Then came to Reading. It's what one and seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I played at Coventry in 2017. <laughs> Three appearances, no goals. T- tell you why I preferred was Ben Jarney. Ben Jarner, yeah. What a player. Good player. He went to City after Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth... See, the Portsmouth side that won the FA Cup was quality. Nakwanu Kanu in there. Came to Portsmouth after Arsenal. Cranshaw. Nico Cranshaw. Uh, who else? They had a Ryderson as well. Yeah. They signed him. <laughs> they did. Oh, let's, have, let's have a look at it. David James in goal. Um, uh... Who else do they have? I'm trying to think. Uh, um, let's have a look. Just, just look at now. Uh, 2008 it was. Blimey. Beating Cardiff in the final. Carnu scored. Yeah, I remember Carnu scoring. Ramsey was playing for Cardiff that game. It was a bit of a scrappy goal, I think. Young, um, that, that's where Ramsey got spotted and then he went to Arsenal the following season. Yeah, they had uh, Joe Ledley. <laughs> Joe Ledley playing for Ram- Cardiff. Aaron Ramsey coming off the bench. Uh, Travis Sinclair, there we go. Joe Ledley, well, oh, legend. Cut Kevin McNaughton. Peter Evans. Oh, Love, Lovens. I remember that. Did, didn't, um... Peter Whittingham was good. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And Bobby Fowler went to, went to Cardiff City at one point. Yeah, Hasselbank, Hasselbank was, uh, he was a good player at Chelsea, wasn't he? Um, Hasselbank was really good. Properly good. He was getting towards the end of his career at Cardiff, but he was a good player. Yeah. 
Oh, and then, then you go. Solly Montari, he played for AC Milan. Oh, yeah, Solly. <laughs> you, you, you look across at the Portsmouth there, and it's David James, Glenn Johnson, oh, Sol Campbell, Sylvan Distan, Horidison, uh, Lasada Diara. He played abroad for Johnny Tarker, he was a good player. Pedro Nigerian. Mendes. Oh, Pedro, Pedro Mendes. Mendes, what a player where Pedro Mendes was. <laughs> he was cool. signed him from Rangers. Yeah. And he then was a good player. Nico Cranshaw. Sully Mentari and then Nakwani Kanu. Um Papa Booba Diop of uh, Milan Barros as well, Liverpool legend off the bench. Milan Barros. <laughs> and uh, David oh. Nugent as well. Blind. He must have signed Barros from uh, Aston Villa. He went to Villa after Liverpool. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they bought him from Leon, who oh, went, oh, to, oh, went, went to Villa, Villa after after Liverpool and then Leon and then Portsmouth on loan. Didn't ever score for Portsmouth. There we go. He was a good player, wasn't he? I remember. I remember we had. Um, do you have micro stars? The little like models oh, of players. The big heads. Yeah. 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 We had loads of those. Me and my brothers, and I remember having Milan Barros as as one of those, and he was was doing one of the knee slides from the knee slide pose. It was quality. Cool, so. I used to. I used to play them with the Sabutio set. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. Players, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Those are the days. Of course, my childhood, right? <laughs> likewise, likewise. <laughs> I think we still got all our micro stars somewhere. Oh, I think I chucked mine. I think we got them in the loft. I think. I'm actually gonna get my child Sabutio when they grow older. Yeah, yeah. Sabutio, Sabutio is it? Well, yeah, when you get a child. Um, Never know. <laughs> Yeah, Sabutio is quality. I, I I think I still have a set somewhere at home. Um, definitely, definitely worth it. Remember making a stop go stop go uh, film out of uh, Sabutio set, playing like England versus Spain in a in a in a, in a game, and, like doing stop go motion with the uh, with the players. Oh, it was I remember I used to just get Gerard to score screamers off the edge of the box. Oh yeah, just scream, just player. scream Gerard and just watch Gerard. it, watch it, watch it nestled top. I, I used to do that myself. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of the, the the Palace equivalent is definitely uh, Darren Ambrose when he when he hit that absolute worldie against Man United at Old Trafford in the Garling Cup quarter final. We beat them two one. Glenn Murray scored even though he's offside to get the winner. VAR would have chalked that off. It would have done, but it didn't because VAR wasn't around in twenty. Well, it was football was better without VAR. I think the subjectivity of the referee should be always be taken into account. It's like a player can have a bad game, a referee can have a bad game. Yeah, because it's getting stupid of the offside. Oh yeah, definitely. I would agree. Um, I think. I think. For the offside, they they haven't really stuck to the clear and obvious thing because when they get out their lines and their rulers. Um, that's not clear and obvious anymore. If mm. it's like, it's it's for the ones where he's hard, he's a yard offside. That's like obviously offside, and that should be chalked off. But like, if it's millimeters, like some of these goals have been this season. There's no just, consistency either, though. No, I know. General fouls. There are, there are some that are like, like obviously as a Palace fan, definitely not biased, but. Um, Zaha went over in the box at the weekend, and it was one of those that was wasn't the worst foul in the world, but like sort of if that was on the halfway line, it was a foul. But because it was in the penalty area, it wasn't given, 
and VAR checked it and said no. Um, it's a really, it's, it's it's really difficult, and I think um, football needs to learn from sports like cricket uh, and rugby. Rugby is rugby, a slower sport in general. Yeah, it's quite a fast sport, and I feel like VAR takes up too much stop. Yeah, I think I think I think certainly they could learn from cricket and with, with the review system, because. I, I don't really know how it would work, but I think that could be an idea that they could explore. Give the manager, a yeah, couple of reviews because because like in cricket, if you if you want to review whether something's out, you you like get together, you discuss it as a team, and then you review. You have fifteen seconds to decide, and then if you get the decision right, you keep the review. So you start off with two reviews. If you get it right, you keep it. If you get it wrong, you lose it. Um, and then, if you get two decisions wrong, you lose both. You've lost both your reviews, and then tough luck. If if the umpire, that's that, that, that I definitely agree with. That. Like, that's something they should bring in. Yeah, if 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 sort of the umpire gives you out and it allows them to get the rumours out as well, though. Then. Yeah, it, 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 if they put a challenge in on an offside call, they have to get the rulers out, get it exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no arguing then. There's no clear no. and obvious arguing. It's no, no, referees' no. decisions exactly. all the time. It's the referee's decision, and you're just challenging that decision. It's like you're challenging the umpire, exactly. It's yeah, because yeah, with cricket, it's, it's, the umpire's never going to get it right 100% of the time. And there have been recently a couple of times when umpires have had absolute stinkers and there have been sort of six, seven, eight successful reviews in like a, in, in a day's cricket because the umpire's just not having a good day. And because they're able to use their reviews, they use their reviews, get the decision for them, and then keep that review, and then if it happens again, they're able to do it again, and 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 it's sort of, it's very much that that's a system that works, I think, in in cricket. Obviously, it's not without its problems, but I think it would certainly help to resolve some of the issues. Sort of, I I, I guess I guess the 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 question for football would be when they're able to use reviews. So obviously, you'd have. If there's a penalty shout that was waved away, uh, you could say, "I want to review that decision." Red card incidents. Red card incidents. Uh, offsides. Off, offsides. The, I'd say off, obviously offsides leading to goals. Um, pen, yeah, penalties. Uh, red cards and goals. And that sort handballs, of just general handballs in the box that you think might. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that falls. I guess that falls under penalties. Like there was one at the weekend at the Palace match that was that was that was given as a handball by Yaro Riederwald in the box and then VAR checked it and overturned the decision and it wasn't a penalty. Um which was good for me. Not so and good then for what City, in the but, end um, do they have an independent panel for VAR or should the referee, when a challenge is called, go over and check it themselves before making a decision? Whether to overturn their yeah. decision, it's whether they have someone in in Stockley Park or whether the ref makes the decision themselves. I guess that's another thing that we need to ask about. Because um, I know, yeah, I, I guess I guess with sort of cricket, it's a lot more cut and dry. Like you're out or you're not. Whereas with 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 like a red card incident, for instance, it's a it's a lot. There's a lot more grey area. 
um, in terms of whether that's a, a, a like a definite yellow or harsh red or sort of anywhere in between. Fine line. Yeah, there are fine lines in football that you might not have in cricket. Um, that it's, is true. It's a very difficult. It's a very difficult issue. Um, it's for sports like tennis and cricket, I suppose they are absolute. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's the same in tennis with the review thing where they can review you on the line, uh, they can challenge the calls, and the same similar thing you have X number of reviews. Then that's what uh, I'd say about tennis is they could be like VAR now checking every single shot to make yeah. sure it's in or out, but that would just be too slow. Yeah. So they've given challenges to each of the players. Yeah. Yeah. To give the umpire the subjectivity, but also the players a chance to overturn decisions they think. Yeah. Might actually, have gone the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it just ruins sport if you're constantly looking at VAR or decisions just constantly. Yeah. Looked at. It, it I just, think I think they need to have a serious look at VAR because the way it is now isn't working. Um, I think there's definitely a place for it, and. It does. It does help make get decisions, big decisions, right. And this season, we have seen decisions being made that should have been made, like that were obviously a wrong decision made by the on-field referee or the linesman that have been overturned quite correctly. But for me, it has a place, but it doesn't have a place until it's used properly. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's a learning curve. I get that, but. The way it's been used this season is not acceptable. No, 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 I agree. Uh, I think seeing seeing uh, clips on online of them doing it in Australia, and that seems it looks like it seems a lot better because the people watching it can hear the referee, and then the referee when he get when he makes the decision of on VAR, then explains his decision. Which means so so he goes over to the screen, looks at it, changes it like VAR say you might want to look at that again. Goes over, it's kind of like the rugby then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a look at the screen, and then goes right. I've made this decision. I'm upgrading it to a red card because of this. That that's a very good idea. Um, and and the, the people in the in the in the crowds have access to that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think. That's another think, thing about VAR is people are confused about what's going on. Yeah, there's exactly. Things, there's no, there's no explanation and there's no communication. And I think sim like we have that rugby, like you can buy ref links and things like that, that you can be in the stadium and listen to them. Or if you're watching at home on TV, there's a referee microphone that you can hear every single word that the ref says. Um, with football, no idea. Could be talking about anything. Could be talking about their weekend. For all we know, I think the reason like, that they do that though, they they couldn't have that in football because the players constantly swearing at the ref. Oh, you get that in every it's sport. A, it's not in rugby. It's you a had, lot different. You had a, you had in in a cricket match they have mics in the stump stumps. A couple of in the last test in South Africa, Josh Butler, the England wicketkeeper, was caught calling the South African but, uh, batsman a fucking knobhead. Oh, to, no, but to like, each other, but the referee I'm on about directly. Oh uh, yeah, referee. well. That well, is true, that is true. That. And I think, I think yeah. that's becoming a rule. It, 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 would clamp, it would clamp it out if you started bucking them straight away. Yeah, and I think if if, if they put um, if they put a microphone on the referee, then they could 
and they start clamping it out and booking people for swearing at the ref with the mic as well there's the danger of they could introduce something of being cited for that so like if you're persistently swearing at the referee they can they they listen to the track and they just like right it's him he's sworn at the referee x number of times but he should be banned for two games or something like that yeah because I, like that that will that will get rid of it or you'd like to think that will get rid of it well, all um, these things adding up it's just making the appeal of being a referee just not just not there yeah i think i think that's why no one wants to be a referee anymore at the moment sort of there there is definitely a lack of quality in referees in the country and some of the referees are not good and they make awful decisions i think that stems from the like the lack of desire to be referees these days There's yeah not much options anyway you're just going to train who want to be there yeah exactly um there, there are very few people who want to become these referees because they get abused they get abused by the players they the get fans. abused by the fans the manager will get particularly hot-headed and say something me i just in some ways i just can't imagine that must have a bit of a toll on your mental health because you're just getting abused at your job no matter the who, time. no matter what decision you make, the other set of fans are going to yeah, be on your back. Exactly. Um, Even the games we've been to watch of Exeter City, the referee has got a lot of abuse. Yeah, even th- from the Exeter. Fans. There was there was a there was a ref when we went to a game uh, in October, I think, who was a little bit chubby, and just just every time he made a decision that. The extra fans didn't like it. Was straight on his back, making fun of his weight and things like that. And it's, it was quite funny for the supporters, <laughs> but yeah, like you can't imagine sort of the the the, the mental health, the, the mental impact that that has on someone. I can't understand um, why he's still refereeing. Yeah, I, but then a lot of these refs just have a passion for the game, and that's obviously the important thing. You need to have people who are passionate and like love the game and that's why they're doing it so I think you need to tap into that and that's so difficult to because you can't control the fans you can you can make as many tannoy announcements as you want but it's, it's so hard like as you said any decision they make the other the other team's fans are on their back and making a load of noise it's just it's, it's a difficult issue, and we need better referees. Definitely, because I think a, a lot of uh, uh, to be fair, in a lot of countries, uh, the refereeing quality is much bigger. Yeah, better. I think. Yeah, it's, it'll be be interesting to see where the standard of refereeing goes in the next sort of five, ten years, because England haven't had a high level ref. I mean, we had Howard Webb who ref the World Cup final in 2010, but he was sort of Clatton our last. Clatton Big, liked. Oh, I hated I wasn't, No, I wasn't a fan of Clatton Big, but he got, hated Clatton Big. There was a lot of people that liked him. Yeah. Alex Ferguson used to love Clatton Big, he used to give him all the decisions. Yeah, Clattenburg said... Clattenburg was good mates with Alex Ferguson, and liked Manchester United. And, um, yeah, when, uh, when, when Palace played... Man U in the uh, FA Cup final, all the decisions went against Palace. I, was, I used to watch Liverpool against United, and knowing Clattenburg was ref, and they always pick Clattenburg to ref, which I didn't understand. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get when they, 
when they pick referees who sort of there've been a bit of history there. So like for instance, um I think it's Andre Mariner who's refereeing the Palace Southampton match tonight. Um and he refed the Southampton Palace game last season where he sent Wilfred Zaha off for sarcastically or clapping him because he'd just been awful all game. He'd there'd been two or three challenges that Southampton had made that were borderline red cards. Like sort of studs up into like into the shin, into the knee, didn't even give fouls. Or gave a foul but nothing more. And how's they they look at that and go, Oh yeah, let's give him that fixture again because in that fixture some of the Southampton players found it hilarious because they were getting all the decisions. James Ward Prowse as being a nasty yeah, piece of work right. and sort of Good player though he is. Yeah. A hell of a whip. I don't really like him because of that game. <laughs> um He's got but, good set pieces. Yeah. Shane Long, he's still there. Yeah. Danny Ings been doing very well. Danny Ings yeah, is yeah. basically their team at the moment. I just transferred him into my football eye team. He's needed in there, getting good goals. Cheap Please, as well. I really hope he doesn't score tonight. I have a feeling he will, but he didn't score last week. No, he didn't. Hopefully, you know, he goes on a dip for this game and then comes back to scoring this week. <laughs> I've 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 cautiously put James Co- Tomkins into my uh, defence over. Sheffield United's Lundstrom because I can't. They've got City. I think. I think City will score. I've had Lundstrom in from the start. Yeah, same. He's been really. He's been a really good player. He's been in and out of the team, but judging by the performances of Sheffield United, he might as well just stay in there. Yeah. Yeah. They've been quality. They're really, season. really good. Consistent good as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're very good side. They're going and put a shift. They got City, are they? I think so, yeah. I'm fairly certain they do. They'll um, definitely put in a shift. I, I can't see them winning, but they'll put a shift in. Yeah. Actually, yeah, City. They'll do similar to what Palace away, I think. They're at home to City. Uh, yes. Oh, Seven thirty tonight. That's a game for City. It is. It's a tough game. Oh, I forgot there was midweek games. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm going to do later. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Palace Southampton probably tearing my hair out as we lose one nil to a Danny Ings goal in like the seventy third minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, never mind. <laughs> I checked out from the corner score. Oh no, he'll start, mate. He'll start after his performance at City. He'll start. Well, do you imagine having Ben Benteke and Tosin up front? <laughs> so long, just shove it up to them. Or or we or we have Tosin Tosin and I up top. I <laughs> know I will be playing on the wing because Townsend's still injured. Ayu's been really good. Ayu has been very good. Um, they've been. I've always rated Ayu. Two and a half million. Got us six goals. He's always stood out in teams he's played at. He went to Villa. He was really good at Villa, especially in the season. Yeah. He's the only good player. Him and Idris are gay. Yeah. The only good players in that team. Yeah. They had Jordan Marvey at left back, but he wasn't really a left back. He's more of a left midfield. Yeah. He couldn't defend. He was like a Moreno. That was the season after. That was one or two seasons after Ben Tacco went to Liverpool, wasn't it? That was the season after. Yeah. So it was Tim Sherwood. Yes. He sold Benteke. Yeah, to Liverpool. And then, because Benteke just banked like 17 a season for Villa. Because they played a system that suited him. And then, when he went, I think they sort of, they missed that target, man. That's the thing, you have to play to Benteke's strengths. If you yeah, which is, it, which, is what, which is what we haven't done recently. Like, 
in the Allardyce, in the Pardue Allardyce season, 16-17, we played a system that really suited Ben Teke, and he scored 17 goals. Since that, since then, we then got De Boer, definitely wasn't going to play a system to suit Ben Teke. He, he tried to do something oh, that was too radical to Palace. No, just, we didn't have the players for the system yeah. that he wanted to play, and it just didn't work at all. Things you can't go in overnight and expect things to change like that. You gotta like slowly change your style. Yeah, just, oh, that was that was a wrong appointment, but never mind. Gloss over that. Um, and then and then after that we had Roy come in, and Roy doesn't really play that system that Ben Teke suits, and he struggled, struggled massively. I think the the Burr period didn't help him at all because he lost his confidence in that bit. And where he might have had goals come in, sort of five or six a season, for Roy that little period of De Boer where he lost his confidence, just shot him and robbed him of those goals, and he just hasn't been the same player since. Um, he's st- he's still in the Belgium setup though. Yeah, he is. Surprisingly. I, I yeah. Um, I mean, Belgium have some good strikers. Yeah. Little Mertens, Origi, obviously. Batshuayi. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's it's an interesting one. I don't know, don't know what will happen to him. I have a feeling he might go in the summer to somewhere. Um, I don't think any Premier League club will want him. He'll get he'll go abroad this time. Yeah, we'll we'll try and get we'll get him we'll we'll try and get something from him. But I could see him going to back to Belgium or to somewhere in, like mid-table France team. One thing he definitely did have was the ability to score a goal out of nowhere. Yeah. For Liverpool, I remember that bicycle, bicycle kick, kick against, against United. United. Yeah. Yeah, and he did he did something similar in a, his first pre-season game. He came on after 10 minutes. He scored a volley from outside the box. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It was a hell of a goal. But he does lose. He's a confidence player. When it, when he because obviously he was he had massive confidence joining Liverpool because he just got a big money move to Liverpool. Uh, had confidence when he joined Palace because he wanted to restart his career after stagnating a little bit after after uh, Liverpool, and was given confidence by the system that we played, and then just lost his confidence at the back end of that season into the De Boer period, and we just we lost him. He was. He needs to get his confidence back. Once he gets he's his got, confidence he's not very, back, he's not very strong mentally, is he? No, I think uh, he's one of those players that's a confidence player, and and he's quite lazy from what I remember at Liverpool. Yeah, he doesn't work that hard off the ball, which is what a lot of managers these days want. He has he has added that a bit at Palace, uh, certainly under Roy, but he just hasn't been getting the goals. And I think to be fair to him, if he wants to kickstart his career again. He needs to move on. Um, it's for the best. We best for Palace on best. We need career, to get. We need to get another striker in on permanent. Who would you look at? Like realistically. I'd like someone like Ollie Watkins at Brentford. Came through. Oh, he's a good Academy. player. Yeah, yeah. Good player. Very good player. Then it's taking a risk on a Championship player. It is, but he's young. Um, but you need, you're going to need someone that's going to score you goals in the Premier League. I suppose Ayu could be that player. I think for now. I think he. He's. I think 
Watkins definitely got the potential and does score a lot of goals. Um, and came through Exeter City's academy, so, you know, big up the city. Um, yeah, I think I think he he could potentially do quite well. Uh, and we... We had a lot of games for Exeter actually as well. Did. It's called basically a goal every three games, which is a good 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 turnaround. Um, He's not all out and out goal scorer though, is he? No, but I think he gets a lot of goals. Thirty-seven goals and one hundred and twelve is again a decent return. He scores about one in every three. Then the only thing is that is in the championship though. That is in the championship, yeah, but. I mean, he is a youngster. He could take a risk, and you're also going to need someone. But we need someone, you. someone who can sort of, I guess, for like a bit of a transition period between getting Watkins or a young striker like him, because we do need to lower our average age. We need to get young players in. Um, Especially with Zaha, he's probably going to leave this summer. Zaha, you're going to have the money. Zaha will definitely go this summer. Well, you're going to have about 100 million off the Wambazaka, Zaha, over 100 million. Yeah. You've still got most of that Wambazaka money there. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to invest more in long term solutions like our academy, like our stadium. The academy but, is the best way to go about. It. If you look at Swansea City, the players yeah. they produce from their academy, they have one of the best. They have a state of the art academy. They focus. They, they don't really spend that much. They buy, bring in young players, or if they're going to bring in an older player, it'll be someone who's got a bit of experience. They know will do well. He'll offer a bit for the youngster, like Routledge. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. He's he, he's got better with age, I think. Yeah, I think we um, Palace Palace are aiming to. So we're trying to build, upgrade the. Uh, academy and build this sort of like campus with a massive like indoor pitch which is um, yeah. um, and like we've got the we've, we've we've bought the land for this this should be sort of a formality almost because there are almost no negatives as to why we can't build that for the Croydon camp for the Croydon County uh, Borough Council um, and like sort of that, I don't, I don't see why that won't happen. Which is a vital, vital part for us becoming a uh, pushing on, re really becoming a top club. But again, we do need to make sure that we are signing players that are we able need to, stay to at the top level. Yeah, because we need the with. money, the top level money, to afford things like this and maintain this. Um, and we need to stay in the Premier League for that. So we need to sign certain players to lower the age for a bit of longevity, to keep, get the quality in that we can stay in the league. Um, and yeah, you've got you've got some good players. We we have our squad's really good, but just the issue is is we have twelve. We've at one point we had twelve first team players injured this season. Which you can you can do nothing to account for, but when it's in areas that when when it was at centre back, fine. We had loads of centre backs and we've coped just about. 
we at some points we were down to our last two centre backs where if one of them got injured it would have been an issue but we seem to have come through that but when it's been in positions like left back and right back where we have no cover and the only cover we have are centre backs centre backs or youth players there's not a lot you can do like we don't we don't have an under 23s right back so with Ward getting injured uh, and then Kelly I think picking up a knock how didn't you have an under 23s we, right back we, I, I just don't I, I think we just don't have one in our under 23s academy you thought they were brought in yeah, we have now. We're getting right. someone from Scotland, I think. Um, he's sort of eighteen or nineteen, but you should look. Well, I I know he's injury prone, but Nathaniel Klein, he'd, he'd be available on loan until the end of the season. He's come back from injury. Yeah, I mean he's not going to get a kick in at Liverpool. No, he's at Bournemouth, wasn't he? Yeah, he went back to Liverpool though because he was injured. Oh, of course he did. He, he snapped his ACL, I think. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's he would he would be returning back to his back to his roots because he he was a Palace yeah, academy he was, yeah, brother, he was. so he went there from Southampton wasn't he? Well, yeah, he was our academy, so yeah, and then he went from us to Southampton. Um, good, really good player back in the day, actually. Yeah, but there you go. Um, but I mean, it's it's we we Palace are doing the right things in terms of planning for the future in building, trying to achieve. Category one academy status and trying to expand our, like we 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 submitted plans for a stadium upgrade two years ago, and it's been a slow slow process. Like it was a big upgrade. Like we're completely, we're we're planning on uh, building a new main stand. And the main stand at Palace is the same main stand that was there when the ground was opened in 1924. So it's an old stand. So there's not been much investment in the past? No. Well, there has been in sort of the other three stands. They've been gradually upgraded. The Holmesdale Road was built in the 90s, I think. Yeah, the 90s. Um, Just before you nearly went bankrupt. This, Yeah, we went bankrupt in 2010. Uh, and we've been bankrupt a few times actually, um, but this this main stand proposal, apparently according to Steve Parrish, everything is sorted except for Sainsbury's because we have a Sainsbury's in our ground, they have a car park, and they are not playing ball and selling a tiny bit of their car park to us. They're asking for way too much money. We we just need this tiny bit of land, and that's why this. Academy will happen sooner because we have the land. It's just the land disputes for the stadium that have just held it up. And like, from what I gather from Steve Parrish, there was there was issues when we released the plans that we need to demolish a couple of houses, and then there was issues surrounding that. Like, obviously, we'd need to find new houses for these people to go and live in, which is fine. Like. I think that has been sorted, but that's been sorted sooner than we can negotiate with Sainsbury's. I think that shows how much <laughs> Sainsbury's are being a being a hassle. Um, you can't really blame them for not wanting to sell it. I think I think they know, but but they, the, know, they know deep down that Palace in the end will probably pay it. Yeah, that's what they're waiting out for. We, I think we, uh, we. 
it looks really good and this 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 redevelopment will so we were we were given planning permission in 20, April 2018 so nearly 2 years ago and it looks properly quality like it's going to have a load of facilities for the charity that we have that does a lot of good work in the community things like that um but obviously it's a big it's 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 footprint is a lot bigger than what is there at the moment and that's the issue it's finding it's like it's it's yeah it's just quite it's, that was very close to stadium it's it's difficult it's really really tough um with, but with part just, of this new development though would you be looking at a different style of football being brought through the club or a manager well, bringing in a manager that's going to play youngsters i think i think we we need to be clever with our next management appointment we need to find i think we do need to we do need to move on and find a new and play. I'd quite like. I'd like to play. See a more exciting round of football being played. Like at times under Roy, there has been very good football. Like at the back end of the seventeen eighteen season, when we had Kabai, Loftus Cheek, Zaha all playing, and they all like they just work. It worked so well together, and we played some lovely football. Scored some great goals. Uh, with that with that combination but obviously we've lost Kabai we've lost Loftus-Cheek Roy the system he plays isn't a big fan of by of using um, creative players creative players I think we need to find a manager who will but we need to be careful we don't want to do we don't want another Frank de Burr system where I wouldn't get situation. rid of Roy this next no. season I think I think what we need to do is if not this summer then next summer, we say, look, Roy, I think you're going to be retiring soon. Let's appoint a manager in February, March time, planning for your retirement at the end of the season. The manager will then be there for that little chunk of time at the end of the season from February to May. Gets to see the way the team works, looks at the players, is then able to communicate with Steve Parrish and Doogie Friedman about what sort of players they want to bring in and then when it gets to the end of the season Roy retires brilliant did a superb job with us wonderful like so much thanks and the new managers got to see how the team works what the players are where our strengths are where our weaknesses are and then throughout the summer is able to build read like refresh the squad and then be ready for the next season because a manager coming in halfway through the season is actually, a, a, if, if you have nothing to play for, yeah. a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Like, like Klopp did that at Liverpool, he had a season to basically come in, analyse the squad, see what needs doing in the summer. Yeah. And at that point, you can, the rebuild can start. Yeah, that's sort of what, I, what I'd like to happen is when, when Roy's on thinking about retiring, we, we, we appoint a manager and they sort of or not co-manage, Roy's still the manager, but the other manager is still in and around the infrastructure, learns the club, knows what we need to do with the club, and then is able to push on when the next season comes, rather than just turning up in the summer, 
being told, right, you have this amount of money, this is the squad, they're all on holiday, you haven't seen any of them in training, go and spend some money and then buy the wrong players. We have a Frank de Boer situation again when he tries to implement a system that doesn't work. We Do you feel a bit sorry for Frank de Boer though for not coming in a bit earlier and having the chance to... We did take a long time to appoint him in that summer and he... He showed, he was he was stubborn. He didn't he didn't adapt his system too much to the way we played and when his system didn't work in the first three games of the season he he adapted a little bit going into the Burnley game which was game four. I think we had we had Huddersfield at home. You lost three 0 Mounier scored. We lost three 0 I was at that game, it was depressing. No, he scored two. Two. Uh, that was awful, awful display. Then we had someone away. I have a feeling it was Liverpool. Yeah, it was Liverpool. We had Liverpool away, second game of the season. We lost either 1-0 or 2-0. Uh, third game of the season, Swansea at home, 2-0 loss. I, again, I was out of that game, <laughs> depressing. Fourth game, Burnley away. We lose 1-0. Um, the goal comes because Lee Chong Yong does an awful back pass that basically straight to I think Wood it was who just went round the keeper. Basically trying to it. play out the back the way that the ball yeah. wanted to do, and yeah. it just and then we just can Scott Dan Mister Sitter late on that would have been our first goal of the season in the fourth game. Um, That's funny though. He, play, he tries to play attacking football to score loads of goals. He ended up scoring no, scoring no goals. He scored no goals, and we didn't score until our eighth game of the season. The thing is, he did well at Ajax. Yeah, he did, but he that's did because he job. came through the Ajax. He had the Ajax DNA in him, and he's trying to play like Ajax did when he came to Palace, and it just didn't work because we didn't have the players. All the players at Ajax have Go. come a lot. A vast majority of them come through the youth system. We had Ericsson at that so, point. So yeah, they? so. Them sort of so, so, so they know the system. They're 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 bought up playing that system, and they just slot right in. Whereas we just we just couldn't. Um, it isn't an overnight fix. It's definitely something that has to be built long. Yeah, time. exactly. Um, maybe don't go so radical straight over to attacking football. Just have someone in between. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's sort of what there. I'm thinking. Like that's what I'd like. I just don't really know who yet. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I tell you what, Swansea have done it well. The yeah. one thing I would say is, in the end, selling all their best players got got to them. But they're back at it again now. They've brought in a manager no one really knew out of the England under 18s. He's worked in Liverpool and he's managed Liverpool under 21s. Yeah. And he's got good contacts in the England setup. He's good of youth. Yeah. He plays attacking football. It's everything the Swansea fans want, and he's building a good team. He's got Brewster in on loan. He signed yeah. his player from Charlton, and they are looking good for playoff places now. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I really wouldn't be surprised um, if they get promoted. They they look like they're decent. Um, they got some good young players. Maybe not this season. Next season will be there. Yeah. yeah. But I reckon you need to follow something like that. But also. At the same time, don't be afraid to spend the money. Yeah, that's that. That'd be a good model to follow. Yeah, we we just 
It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, really. I, I have no idea how it's going to play out. I don't think we'll ever sack Roy because he'll always guarantee Premier League survival, but... Uh, a key thing is definitely not selling all your best players when you're getting the youngsters for it. Yeah, no, we won't. I, don't, I, think, I think Steve Parrish has too much sense to do that. A lot of Palace fans give him hate on Twitter, but... They didn't do it on Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, I was like a struggle at United as well. I, I mean, I think he's been he's been one of their best players this season. The thing is, he doesn't offer much going forward, and I feel like as a he, United fullback, they want attacking fullbacks. He offers more than some people give him credit for. I think going forward, he was a winger before he became a right back. He became a right back at like a season before he broke through at Palace. He was a winger before then, so he does offer stuff going forward. Just, yeah, he need, that's the area he needs to work on. But he's still not bad. I think people don't give him enough credit for that. But He definitely does need to develop that outside of yeah. his game. Which I think is that Trent's a natural at it. Yeah. He's naturally good going forward. Like, arguably, he should be a centre midfielder. Yeah, I think, I think if... I think it's, it's difficult to argue that... Trent is better than Wambasaka defensively, but it's easy to argue that he's miles ahead of him going forwards because he is. But I think what's good about Trent though, he has Van Dijk covering him. Yeah, exactly. So he can afford to go forward. I, I think Watson can just both bomb forward. With with Palace, like at Palace, he had Andros Townsend, and then James Tompkins and Mamadou Sacco, who all helped nurture him and told him where to be in games, helped helped him develop as a player through that season, which allowed him to put in these performances because they were looking out for him, making Experience sure... Players, yeah, exactly. Which United don't really have at the moment. No. Um, like, they got Maguire, obviously he's captain, but he's only broke through the last two or three seasons. Yeah. I mean, he isn't He isn't a top quality... No, he, he's, he hasn't... He make him out to be, I don't think. No. Um, I I saw something the other day. He's just Phil Jagielka with a square head. <laughs> Phil Jagielka. He was alright. Phil Jagielka. He wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he was alright. For Everton, a uh, good Everton, good, good Everton, Everton centre back. Scored that absolute rocket against Liverpool, didn't he? Oh, I remember that. Like, we battered them that game. Balotelli missed a sitter. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> just that goal was such a good goal. <laughs> Balotelli. Oh. Yeah. What a player. What a player. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, I think we've been talking for long enough. Probably bored any listeners that are still there. Um, but, yeah, I hope, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, we'll be back next week, potentially, for a Six Nations preview podcast. I think Sean will be joining me again, uh, along with some of my other mates. Um so yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Um, and thank you for listening. Thank you.